The following teaching is brought to you by Crosspoint Church. For sermon notes and other resources, visit go to crosspoint.com. Court is in session. Court is in session. Can you handle the truth? Can you handle the truth? We're going to take a look at the book of Romans now for the next, I don't know how long. We have sort of some idea of where it's going to go. It might be 2026 by the time I get done with it. We'll take detours in and out of it different times. But this letter that Paul writes reads not so much like literature or a letter. It reads more like the script for a courtroom drama. When, when you think about great courtroom movies that you've seen, what are some you, you can remember? Few Good Men, yeah. What else? Legally Blonde is not a courtroom movie, no. <laughs> she didn't say that. I'm just having fun. Or uh, Law and Order, the Lincoln Lawyer, the Lincoln Lawyer, uh, that, that kind of deal. So when you hear this, don't, don't hear literature, somebody up in a classroom or like a pastor seen as a courtroom drama, where what Paul does here is he's making a case for Christianity against the world. It's also a case that God has against the human race, and there's prosecuting attorneys and defense attorneys and the judge and the jury. There's evidence being offered. We're going to see indictments and objections. Catch the drama of this as we do it. Every week, you're going to have a chance to get a sneak preview of what's coming next by actually opening your own Bible or your app. And you'll see at the bottom of that note sheet, if you don't have the note sheet out yet, it's in the back of that program, where it'll be what's coming up next. You'll get more out of this if you know what's coming in the next episode of what, uh, of what we're doing here. Uh, what, what Paul does here is brilliant. He's a lawyer. He was kind of trained in a religious, scholarly, but almost legal kind of tradition. Uh, what we know about Paul, he's the attorney in this. That's the first thing to fill in there on your note sheet if you want. The attorney here that's putting this together, his name is Paul. If you've gone to church for a while, you may have heard about Paul. If you're newer to this, Paul was the guy who, when he first got to know the way of Jesus, he hated Jesus. He became a religious terrorist. His whole deal was this. What this way of Jesus is, is blasphemous and evil and is ruining the, the true faith in Jehovah God. So he said, if we have to crack some heads together, we're going to crack some heads. And I mean, when he cracked some heads... Literally cracks him. He oversaw the execution of a guy named Stephen, who was one of the first leaders in the church of Jerusalem. He oversaw the execution, and he was on his way out of Jerusalem, out of, out of Israel, to go up north to Lebanon to go. I've heard this way of Jesus is spread out to other places. Go crack some skulls there, too. On the way there, God looks at Paul and says, You're so cute, pal. Knocks him down, appears from heaven, knocks him down, and Paul goes, Who are you, Lord? He goes, I am Jesus whom you're persecuting. Knock it off. And then he tells them, Paul, you have been the leading persecutor. You're now going to be the leading proclaimer. You've been a zealous adversary. Now you're going to be a zealous advocate. He says, I'm sending you out to tell the whole world. And what Paul does now, he takes this good news of Jesus to the the non-Jewish world, to the Gentile world, which was crazy and radical. You should read the book of Acts, how crazy, controversial, and difficult that was. Uh, and we'll see here that he, he's writing to Rome because he wants to get to this major city. He's never been there yet. Almost all the other letters that Paul writes in the Bible, 
to like Colossae and, and, and Ephesus and the places like that. He had been there. He had never been to this place, but he wants to get there. You can see it in Romans chapter 15. I want to get there. I want to come see you guys. I want to see what's going on. I want to be encouraged. I want to encourage you in your faith. Uh, and he tells, as he opens up here, Romans, it's interesting. He says, this letter is from Paul, a slave of Christ Jesus. Now, I don't like that way of opening up a letter. The way you should have done it, I'm a child of God because like a slave, like that's kind of intense, dude. Now, when we hear the word slavery in our culture, we think of, sex, of, of trafficking, of kidnapping people from places and bringing them forcibly uh, to our country and enslaving them. And that was certainly something that did happen at some smaller level in the first century. But in the first century, what slavery was, was the working class of people. In fact, most of the people who were slaves were born into it, and it's just how you took care of your family. Sometimes, because of the way it worked, there was no middle class. There was the rich people and everybody else down here. There was no middle class like we've experienced today. And so you would sell yourself as a doulos, as a slave to somebody. They would own you, and they would run your life. That's what it meant to be a slave of somebody. They would take care of you, but they would own you, and they'd run your life. You know what Paul's saying here is? Somebody else owns me. Somebody else runs my life now. His name is Jesus. I'm no longer working for myself. I'm not working for you. Uh, guys, this is what's good news for me here at Crosspoint. I love you guys, but I'm not working for you. I'm not a slave of Tom and Lori or of Jackie and Kevin. I'm not, I'm not a slave of anybody here. I'm a slave of Christ Jesus, commissioned by God to do this here. That'll help take some of the weight off of you sometimes if you feel like I'm working for everybody else. You're ultimately working for Jesus. He writes this letter in AD 52 to 53 from the city of Corinth. Now, uh, what's crazy about that is this is a, there are churches in Rome already just 20 years after Jesus died and rose again and ascended back to heaven. Now, we hear that and think, okay, 20 years, but things can happen. Businesses start up and all that. That's because we live and work in a world right now where if somebody died and rose again, over in Afghanistan today, how long do you suppose it'd be till you heard about it? Like, yeah, less than like 20 seconds, maybe not even that, depending on what your news feed would tell you. You get that alert immediately. This is not the day where instantaneous communication, the way you communicated was you had to get on a boat, you had to travel, you had to walk, and you had to go get there very, very slowly. So the information age is different. I was, we were talking about this with our team this week. Um, some of our, our middle school and high school kids were... Uh, we're laughing and we're asking uh, their people that are, are older than them right now, and they, they look, they, they see these couples that are married, they go, gosh, how do you and Joey date when there was no cell phones? Because <laughs> see, now it's instantaneous you can do this. Remember, you like even dating. Used to be you had to go someplace and meet somebody. Now you can go online, click, boom, like my profile and stuff like that. Not a problem with that. It's just a different world we live and work in. So it's crazy. 20 years Later, there are churches already in Rome, and Paul wants to get there. The opening statement in this courtroom drama is what Christian just read for us. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. You might write that down, gospel. Now, in our Bibles, it doesn't use the word gospel. Some of you have like the ESV or the NIV or different translations like that. It'll say this is the gospel of Jesus Christ. All gospel means is good news. It's the same thing. But see, here... Here's the deal. How many of you have teams that you hope win today? 
They're playing games today. They have to make the playoffs. Good news, right? Or the game tomorrow night, the big championship game. If your team won, that would be good news, right? You would tweet it out or post it out. That'd be awesome. Good news. This is not that kind of good news. This is breaking news, good news. This is holy smoke. You cannot believe what happened here. This is the gospel. And the truth is, as Paul writes this, they'd already heard about the gospel. But it wasn't the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel had been used uh, for a guy named Caesar Augustus. He was the king, the Caesar over the Roman Empire at the time that Jesus shows up on the scene. And it's this, uh, these proclamations that Caesar would send out. There's an inscription found on this thing. You'll see it here on the screen. This in Priene in, in modern-day Turkey is where they found it. It's referring to Caesar Augustus in the year 9 B.C. I'll translate it for you. It says, the birthday of Caesar Augustus has been for the whole world the beginning of the gospel concerning him. The good news that Caesar has come. And here's the gospel. Here's the proclamation. It says, the most divine Caesar we should consider equal to the beginning of all things. For when everything was falling into disorder and tending toward dissolution, he restored it once more and gave the whole world a new aura. Caesar, the common Good fortune of all, the beginning of life and vitality. All the cities unanimously adopt the birthday of the divine Caesar as the new beginning of the year. You know how long that lasted? Not very long. Because another Caesar, another king came in. His name is Jesus. Whereas the providence which has regulated our whole existence has brought our life to the climax of perfection in giving to us Caesar Augustus, who, being sent to us and our descendants as Savior, has put an end to war and has set all things in order. And having become God manifest, Caesar has fulfilled all the hopes of earlier times, all of our hopes and dreams and prophecies. This is the gospel of Caesar Augustus. You see the words they use in there? He's the Savior. He's amazing. He's, uh, in fact, back in those times, uh, Augustus Caesar, they used some phrases for him. Well, we see it here in the first few verses here. It says here that he was... Uh, that this good news, this gospel, is about his son, that he's the son of God. Uh, there are, there's also in here it says that he is Jesus Christ our Lord. And we've heard those phrases are religious, spiritual phrases. If you've grown up going to church, even if you haven't, they kind of get used all the time in our culture. But back then, before Jesus was called the son of God, all over the Roman Empire, Augustus Caesar, it was called, it would be up on the screen here, Divi Filius, Divi Divine Phileas is their word for son. He was the son of God. He was frequently referred to as the son of God, as God in the flesh. He was also called Kaiser Curios. Kaiser, which means Caesar. Kaiser uh, means Caesar. And Curios is their word for Lord. And so Caesar was known as Kaiser Curios. In fact, in those days, you would have oaths that you would take, like our national anthem or swearing to God, all that. It was always, you would go throw a pinch of something on the fire and incense and say, Kaiser, uh, Kaiser Kurios, Caesar is Lord. And Paul comes along and writes this document. And this document is not just a religious document. It's an insurrection document. It's a revolution document. It's a rebellion that Kaiser Kurios, please. Christos is Kurios. Jesus Christ is Lord. And he's shown that because of his life and death and resurrection. So the case he makes now in this gospel, this, 
that they, what he does here in our opening statement, and those of you who've watched, uh, watched movies and seen things, they always have opening statements where the lawyer stands up and tells you, here's my case. Now, we're going to take some time in the weeks ahead to explore what this case looks like and to drill down on some of the details with evidence and, and uh, th- things from the scriptures that Paul says, look, your evidence that you're trying to use against me actually proves my case, doesn't disprove it. He does a lot of that in, in the book of Rome in the book of Romans. But here at the beginning, he gives us the, the opening statement. And here's his case in real simple, big terms. We'll explore this more later in the weeks and months ahead. But the first part of his case is this. There is a person. Write that down. There is a person. His name is Jesus. He says, the good news, this gospel, is about his son, not about you. It's for you, not about you. The gospel is about his son. And it says he was born into King David's family line, which means he was really human. He lived a real human life. He says he was shown to be the Divi Phileos, the real son of God, when he was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. Here's everything you need to know about who Jesus is. As much as his, his example is good and his teachings are good and all the things he his, all that is good, the, most, the core part about who Jesus is is his life, his death, and his resurrection. That's the gospel, the life and death and resurrection of Jesus. He's been shown to be human, born in the King David's family line, raised from the dead by the power of God's spirit. And now the second part of his case is this. There's a person, his name's Jesus. The second part of the case is there's a problem and it's us. There's a problem out there and it's us. Something is messed up here. It's the problem of sin and rebellion. Uh, we are not bad people that need to be good. We are not broken people that need to be fixed. We are dead people who need a resurrection. We, we are hopeless in this world. Uh, and you don't even have to pay attention to the Bible to know that the world's kind of jacked up, right? Gosh, I heard stories just to this morning of some things that you guys are dealing with, sickness stuff going off, stuff going on in your family and your finances. You go, man, something's jacked up and messed up here. One of our leading theologians of the day, Taylor Swift. <laughs> no, she, has, she does good theology in some of, some of her songs. I'm listening to all of them. Has a song called Haunted. In that song, she has this line that says, something has gone terribly wrong. Our artists and musicians and filmmakers are telling us this recognizing that something's a mess in the world. And so the first uh, few episodes of this, uh, this, this drama, dramatic court case, um, just you need to know, you're going to be able to say you were here when you heard perhaps the worst messages you've ever heard in church. Yeah, it's going to make you very uncomfortable. You're going to come to church going, well, I'm glad I came today. Why did I come to that? Because the beginning here, Paul's going to bring an indictment He's going to tell us the world's jacked up and it's not jacked up because of that person over there or that government over there or that political system. You know why it's jacked up? The reason it's jacked up looks at you, stares at you in the mirror every day. The problem with your life is you. And he's going to list that indictment out there and it's going to make us uncomfortable. And again, it's tricky. Instead of pretending that everybody's a snowflake and beautiful and wonderful and awesome and amazing, don't you hear that sometimes and go, okay, my two-hour-old baby is sweet and comfortable and awesome and amazing. Everybody else is a mess. 
And just when you think everybody's not a mess, you think, oh, that guy over there or that girl there, she's awesome. Then you just go hang out with them a little bit and go, yeah, they're a mess too. Everybody's a mess. And so it'll be a little uncomfortable. You get a chance to hear some of the worst messages ever preached in a church. You can say you were there when it happened. Um, C.S. Lewis has this great quote about this. He was a guy who was an atheist. He became a Christian later in life. He says this, I didn't go to Christian religion to make me happy. I always knew a bottle of port would do that. If you want a religion to make you feel really comfortable, I certainly don't recommend Christianity. So it'll change your life. It'll transform your life. But it ain't going to make you comfortable and happy. There's a thing that goes beyond comfortable and happy that's joy and powerful and beautiful and amazing. So there is a person. His name is Jesus. There's a problem, and it's us. And then he goes, he doesn't just leave us there. There's a solution. That's the court case we're going to get to. There's a solution. But you know what that means, a solution? And it's not us. See, if you are dead in your sins, can a dead person do anything to make themselves undead? Not a trick question here. If you're dead, you need somebody else to do something for you. And he says there's a solution, and it's not, not us, it's God. This is the gospel. And what tends to happen in religious circles and in spiritual worlds and stuff like that, we tend to think, well, if I just get my act together, if I behave better, if I get my Bible out, if I join a small group, come to church, I'll get the list, I'll get the rules, and I'll get them all figured out. If I do the right things, that'll be good. And then God, I'll get right with God, and that'll be good. Look what Paul says here. <laughs> Romans chapter 3, verse 20. He says, no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. You know what he just said there? No one can ever be made right with God by doing what the Bible says. If you think you're going to get right with God by, I'm just going to follow Jesus' example and try real hard, you can never be made right with God. You might be made right with your family. You might get through things together. Things might be a little better for you. You're not made right with God. He says this, the law simply shows us how sinful we are. But now, great, it's a turning point in the book of Romans in the court case. But now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. This good news, it's, there's a problem there's a solution, and God has it for us. And Paul's going to lay that out for us. Make sure you get back here and hear all about that more. Now, this solution, here's the fantastic news about this, is, is that it is, there is good news for everyone. There's good news, it's for everyone. Romans chapter 1. Go back there again for a second. Romans chapter 1, it says this. Paul talks about the fact he wants to get to Rome and see them, he says in verse 14. For I have a great sense of obligation to people in both the civilized world and the rest of the world, to the educated and uneducated alike. So I'm eager to come to you in Rome too to preach the good news. For I'm not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It's the power of God at work. Underline that, highlight in your Bible. It's the power of God at work saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Gentile. This good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. Maybe you want to write this down here. I, I think I skipped it. I was going too fast. What, what, what Paul is telling us here, the big summary of the book of Romans is this. It's Christ alone, faith alone, grace alone. Christ alone is how you get saved. It is by faith alone, through God's grace, through nothing that you could do on your own. And some people go, okay, what does that faith mean? If that's something I'm supposed to do, faith alone means this. It, it, it's recognizing that 
I can't do this. I, I can do nothing here because I've recognized that what Jesus did 2,000 years ago on that cross counts for me today. Saves me today. And this is why it's beautiful, that it's, it's powerful. It's for everyone, no matter who you are. So if you're really good at being a Jewish person, you can be saved. If you're really good at being a Gentile pagan, you can be saved. Paul says it's for the civilized and the uncivilized. That's a nice way of saying for the refined people who do things right, and then for you Yahoo rednecks who don't know anything, who can barely read past third grade level. It's for you too. It's for the, if you're really good at being smart and really good at being dumb. If you're really good at being rich, really good at being poor. If you're really good at being moral or you're really good at being immoral, the good news of Jesus is for everyone, no matter what. And he's going to tell us this too. It's not just good news. It's, it's powerful. It's for everyone and it's powerful. The gospel actually changes everything. This life and death and resurrection of Jesus is not just historical fact. We look back to and go, well, I believe in Jesus because of what he did 2,000 years ago. That's certainly true. Something happened 2,000 years ago. But the power of God at work is not that he, will, that he saved those who believe. It's he is saving those who believe right here, right now. That means it's not just a past tense thing that happened. It's happening right here, right now in 2023, thousands of miles, 2024, sorry. Uh, I'm still waking up. <laughs> saving everyone who believes. That's you and me. When you believe that Jesus died in that cross, that does something in my life. It it, it forgives my sin. It brings me back to a relationship with God, and God starts to change me from the inside out. This is what we're celebrating today as we do get a bunch of people getting baptized today. There's a bunch of people getting baptized today. That symbol of baptism is the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. It's not getting in, a, in, a, in water and getting cleaned up. It's the idea of I'm identifying the fact that I was dead in my sins. But Jesus comes along and says, yeah, you were dead in your sins, and I will live the life you were supposed to live. I will die and be buried, the death that you deserve to die in your place, but I'll be risen again to new life, just like you can be risen again to new life. And what starts to happen when that, when you identify with that, is God starts to change you from the inside out. Now, some of you are not a Christian today. You're, you're brand new to this, or you've been checking the, kicking the tires on this thing. Today is the day for you to become a Christian. God's stirring things in your heart right now. Go, I, need, I want that relationship with God. I want to be forgiven my sins. I want that to happen. We can, that, today, on that connection card that uh, Beth had you fill out, you can jot us a note about that. Shoot, here's the cool thing about this. We're getting people baptized today. You could get baptized today as that first step of saying, I'm ready to get baptized. You're going, but I didn't bring any clothes to change in your towels. We already thought about you. We got piles of clothes and clean clothes and towels back there. We'd love to see you jump into the water and get baptized as a brand new follower of Christ today. You can do that. I'll give you a chance to get up in a minute and chat with somebody about that if you want to do that. I also want to tell you this. If you have been a Christian for a while, and have gone like, well, it's a little weird to get in that water and get baptized. And I just have, it's just faith. I've never been baptized. And God's stirring something in your heart today. Get baptized today. We're already baptizing eight people. You'll be one of the crowd. That'll be awesome. Wanting by your, by yourself up there. So uh, you can hear, talk to us more about that. You can, if you have questions about that and you're not ready to do that today, you can put on your connection card and we'll get back to you. But if God is stirring something in your heart, Crosspoint, if God's stirring something in your heart, don't sit back and go, well, I don't know. Maybe when I feel it more, maybe when I feel ready more, pfft, you're never going to be ready to be a Christian. You're never going to be ready. That's why it's a step of faith to go, I'm not ready for this, but here we go. Let's see what God does here. It's a beautiful, mystery, 
powerful, amazing thing. Get baptized today. I'll, get, I'll give you a clue about that. I'll tell you where to go talk to in just a bit. But Paul's going to tell us that this gospel is powerful, that it changes our relationship with God, and it changes everything. Not that it should change everything. It most certainly does change everything for us. He's going to tell us here in Romans chapter 6. We sometimes think, okay, Jesus died in my place for my sin, this terrible death on a cross. He took the wrath of God, so now i got to suck it up and live for him. That is not the gospel. That's religion that says, okay, now i got to suck it up and be good. Look, look at this. Romans 6 verse 14. Sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. What he's telling, no longer live under the requirements of, the, of all the rules of listed things. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. God's grace has set you free, and now you don't do things to be like, okay, i got to do the checklist, and by thou shalt, and thou shalt. It's not, he says, that never worked. It wasn't bad. It just didn't work. Think about you guys in school, right? Some of you were the compliant kids, and you kind of obeyed the rules and all that, but did you obey them all? Some of you are like, you saw the rules and thought, how many of those can I break by lunchtime? The, the, the code never works to change somebody's life. Grace does. The grace of God does that. We're gonna get, Paul's going to lay that case out for us beautifully in the weeks ahead. And what's the beautiful part about this is that change happens from the inside out. Change happens from the inside out. Here's The gospel doesn't change what you do. It changes what you want to do. Write these two things. Here's how it transforms us. It's miraculous transformation. Number one, it transforms my identity. It transforms my identity. We sometimes think, well, I'm just a jacked up sinner. No, you're not. You were a sinner. Now you're righteous. You were religious. Now you have a relationship. You were rebels and now you're citizens. You were lost and now you're found. You're broken and now you're restored. You were sick and now you're healed. You were dead and now you're alive. You were controlled by sin and now you are controlled by the Son. You are a brand new person. You are not just a new and improved to what you used to be. When you get saved and you get baptized, you have that new life that comes into your life. You're brand new. You're a new creation, not just a remodeled, better version of yourself. It's beautiful and powerful and amazing what God's going to do. Paul's making the case here for that in the opening statement here. Come back to hear all about how all that happens. He's going to tell us, though, that what changes as your identity changes is my thoughts and feelings change. Not just my outward, my outward behavior, but my, before my outward behavior changes, my thoughts and my feelings change. He says, this is Romans 12, 1 and 2. He says, brothers and sisters, you've experienced the grace of God. Now, let God transform you by changing the way you, and I always thought it was changing the way you live. No, no, you know what he says there? Changing the way you think and feel. Guys, I just know this for a fact. I'm looking all around this room today. I know some of your stories, and no man... Gosh, four months ago, six months ago, two years ago, you were a pagan digging a, a hole to get to hell. You were working as hard as you could to get there. And then God has invaded your life and taken over. And it's kind of crazy. Nobody had to tell you stop doing this and start doing that from the inside out. God changed how you felt about sin. God changed how you felt about, about unrighteousness and changed how, how you thought about it. And what's beautiful about it is it doesn't just change you from making a bad person into a less bad person, to a good person, it'll change everything in your life. It changes everything. That's the, the third one here is it transforms my identity. I'm sorry, it transforms my behavior. 
Transforms identity, thoughts, feelings, and then my behavior. This is things like anger, money, sex, work, family. And it doesn't just make the bad stuff a little less bad and make it pretty good. It'll make beautiful things happen, things you'd never dream possible because of the gospel of Jesus. It transforms and makes it, God says we are his masterpiece. We're not just your little child's scrawled up on the refrigerator, that little masterpiece they made for you. It's beautiful. I know it's a masterpiece to you, but it really isn't. No, we're talking about what God does now. He makes a masterpiece out of your life, makes things beautiful and amazing. And then he says, he changes my relationships. Paul spends a great deal of time here in the book of Romans talking about not just how our moral behavior changed, sex, anger, money, family, all that. He says, hey, from the inside out, God's going to change relationships, which means you have a new family you're part of. I've talked to people here at Crosspoint over the years. They said, look, I've got my family. I love my family. In some ways, this family is more important to me and more core to who I am than my flesh and blood relatives. There's a, a dynamic that happens here that we're, we're called a family here. So there's those relationships that get transformed. It's also, uh, you, it's going to talk about how we respond to the government. You should pay attention to that, some of you. I've seen your social media posts. He's talking about that relationship with the government. He's going to talk about what are people that just have different convictions and preferences than mine. They're just the way they do parenting and some of the way things they do with things like, well, I might even give the list to you today because I'll offend you and trigger you and you'll forget the great message. That Come back in a few weeks for that. But I, people that have such different convictions and preferences than me, and he says in, in the world you live in, people tend to isolate into tribes based on convictions and preferences. Mm-mm. In the way of Jesus... Even people that you think are lunatic crazy for how they vote or how they do parenting and money, you're part of the body of Christ now. That gets changed. And then the crazy thing he says is not just your friends and family, not just the government, and not people who are kind of different from you. God says, I'm going to transform your relationship with your enemies, with people you can't stand. It's beautiful, powerful, and amazing. This is the opening statement as Paul heads back to the table to sit down there This is the opening statement of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is the truth. Can you handle the truth? I hope so. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be beautiful. The band's going to come up right now. And we're going to give you guys a chance to respond to some of this today. We're going to sing some songs together that talks about the gospel of Jesus Christ. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, has been nailed to the cross and I Bear it no more. It is well. It is well with my soul. We're going to sing that song. Others like that today. Uh, if you're here today and you have stuff going on in your life, I don't know what your story is. I see a lot of new faces here. Some of you I know, some of you I don't. You might have stuff going on in your life. Maybe capital S stuff. Our prayer team is at the back of the house today, right back there in that back corner of the room. If you have stuff going on, you need prayer for anything, go back and talk to them. Going to give you a chance to come and receive communion today. It's from the four corners of the room. It's bread and juice. It symbolizes the body and the blood of Jesus. It symbolizes the gospel. That Jesus was born, had real flesh and blood, and that real flesh and blood, symbolized by the bread and the juice there, was nailed to a cross to pay the penalty for our sins, and that real flesh and blood body was raised from the dead and transformed. Come and celebrate the gospel of Jesus today. If You've never been baptized as a Christian. If you're becoming a Christian today and think it's all right, let's go. Let's go. Katie's right. Everybody turn around like a Katie. She's in the back. 
as people are getting up, moving around the room today to receive communion, to receive prayer, make your way back there and talk to her. We've got changes of clothes for you. You want to get baptized today. What a great way to start 2024. Jesus, today we love you. We're blown away by you. God, the truth is, we can't handle the truth. We're blown away by it, and that's why we sing today. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. For more resources, check out go to crosspoint.com.